Hey, everybody, welcome to the MLB Extras White Sox podcast from the 2018 winter meetings in Las Vegas. Tim McMaster here along with Scott Merkin. A uh, lot to get to on the podcast. Hall of Famer Harold Baines, we'll talk about that. What they're up to as well this week during the winter meetings. But I talked to a lot of the writers just about the Vegas experience at the winter meetings as opposed to. You know, other places, Nashville is an right. enormous space, right. but then there's smaller hotels. What are your thoughts here on Las Vegas? Well, I actually had vacation before, so I came here All three right. days early with, with some friends. So, yeah, I've, I've had a full Vegas experience. But I, I actually, not to go into too many details because people really probably don't care much, but I've had family who lived out here for like 50 years, so I kind of know Vegas pretty well. But, yeah, it's different. It's there. I mean, every hotel we go to is certainly not like nothing against Ramadas, but not like a little Ramada Inn. But, like, you compare this to, like, seven or eight years ago it was in Indianapolis. Obviously a little bit of a different experience. But really when you're here, you don't think that much about the Vegas stuff because let's say you want to go out tonight and have dinner off the strip. Well you gotta be able to get back quick in case right. they announce, you know, someone signed or someone was traded. It's not like once it hits five, they're like, Okay, we'll cover you if you go eat or go see a show or something like that. So you know I mean you see the slots, you see the people, you see the blackjack tables and everything else. But it's you don't really focus that much on it because you're focused on but now, one thing I will say is that almost every hotel I've been to, Boone Meetings, has like one central lobby where you know yeah. everyone is at. And I'm not sure there really is one here because there's like eight lobbies. So right. Like three hotels in the hotel. And the so gaming floor, too. Exactly. So much. Yeah. It's not like everyone's meeting by the craps table over at like, you know, <laughs> by the Michael Jackson show or something like that. So it's a unique setup. But this is the second one here. And it's, you know, it's, you get used to it a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people out there have been to Vegas. You know how big yeah. these resorts are. So right. then this is at the Mandalay Bay. So all these baseball people just kind of wandering around. But Vegas is so big that you have all these other people. The National Finals Rodeo is in town. I've seen so a, lot a lot of that. Cowboy hats everywhere. So big it's. Big buckles and yeah, belts this weekend. It yeah. is fascinating. Um, as far as the White Sox go yes. here. What a start. Sunday night, they announced the Hall of Fame inductees from the Today's Era Committee. And Harold Baines, 22 years, always considered a, a great baseball player. Never really got any traction no, as far as the no, writers go. Yeah. Right. But apparently his peers felt differently. How surprised were you that Baines got I would the tell call? you, I was talking to a guy from another uh, outlet, great producer, and he was telling me that like he left last night before the announcement came on just to go home. And, you know, the Bears, who are a big thing in Chicago right now, we're playing so he's like i'm gonna go home and watch my family i was with a couple people from sox media relations and they're like let's go over to the mlb network set and see what happens so got there at five and they're like oh the announcement's gonna be in a half hour i'm like oh we gotta stay here for a half hour thinking that i'm not gonna have to write anything right because harold's not gonna make it then uh, jeff idelson opens the first envelope and he says this man played 22 years and immediately because i've done stories on harold before and i knew that was his number and mm -hmm. i know they go alphabetically I'm like, Harold Baines made the Hall of Fame. I will say this. We had a conference call with Paul Konerko this morning, who's not only was a great player, and his numbers are probably even a little better than Harold's over yeah. the course. It'll be interesting to see when he gets on the ballot, but also like a, a student of the game. And I get the feeling that Harold was revered by the people who played the game, the people who were involved in the game. Now, I don't think the stats people – I mean, he doesn't have bad stats. The man hit 386 homers, drove in 1,650 runs and I think it was like 145 hits short of 3,000. And Jerry Reinsdorf, when he talked to us last night, mentioned that, you know, the strikes that he went through when they traded him to Texas, he got platooned. So you wonder about that. that yeah. I don't think there's any, except for, you know, guys who were tainted a little bit, I don't think there's anyone who did it the right way, supposedly, that has 3,000 hits that's not in the Hall of Fame right now. I'd have to look that up again. But I think his numbers are better than people think. I get the reaction that, 
Dale Murphy and Lou Whitaker and everything else to throw up in there. But I, I really do incense of talking to people that I think people within the game realize how valuable he was as a player. And obviously a DH for some time, and it seems like it's going to maybe be the, the final nail in the Edgar well, Martinez. Yeah, to get real in. quickly with Paul and Jerry talk about Jerry talked about Edgar getting in this year. Yeah. And David Ortiz is most likely going to go right. in, and he's DH. And Canerco said, you know, and he DH'd a little bit. He said, you don't get that. He said, that's like pinch hitting four times a game. And he said, that's tough to do. He's done it. And, it's really, and he said, you don't realize how special a person is to do that. But he made a great point. He said, you know, what they should have done is when they created this position, they should have said to him, if you're not going to vote for him, hey, you can have this position, but it's never going to be Hall of Fame eligible. We just don't deem it worthy. But they haven't. So yep. people should be, just like closers. You can't say that, <laughs> ah, closers are nothing. You know, he did. You know, Lee Smith, I thought, should have been in long ago. Now, I don't have a vote, and I respect the people who do, because I know a lot of my friends have votes, and they do extensive research to make sure they get this right. It's not like, you know, okay, I'm going to point pins here, and okay, look who I'm voting for. They really think this out. But I think, you know, you have to consider everyone. And DH is a spot. DH is a valuable spot. Look at what J.D. Martinez did for the Red Sox last year, for God's sake. So it really is an important spot. Yeah, DH and closer, and they're both starting to open up. As obviously Mariano Rivera this year, and, Lee Smith. Right, and the last thing I think is Harold probably was hurt. The same thing by Lee Smith is that both their numbers were amassed over a long period of time, 22 years. And, you know, and Canerco made another great point where he said he thinks, maybe not necessarily Hall of Famers, but anyone who plays 20 years in the majors – there should be a recognition in the Hall of Fame. He said because of the grind that you got. And yeah. I, I think that's actually a good. That's actually a very good idea. Yeah, like the Iron Man section. Exactly, or exactly. Whatever. You know, like uh, Mark McLemore, Jamie Moyer, those yeah. guys. I mean, Jamie Moyer pitched 24 years. That's that's an accomplishment. And we're not talking like one game a year either. That's something that should be recognized. So Harold Baines, a former White Sox great. Let's right. talk about the current team okay. though, because the rumors are that they're trying to ink. The next White Sox great, maybe, or the yes. next big-time face. And, and Bryce Harper, the rumors continue to swirl. They're the teams you kind of expected coming into this offseason that would be involved, and then it's consistently the White Sox. Yeah. So what's – is this I, real? I, I think I, I'm getting a column ready to write <laughs> if they sign one of these guys to say I was wrong because, you know, okay, I, they've destroyed a lot of myths that were about this team. They would never rebuild. They're rebuilding. They would never go above the spending limit on international – to, to get an elite player. They did with Luis Robert. They never trade with the Cubs. Great trade for both sides with Quintana going to Chicago, yeah. the Cubs and Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease among the four coming back to the White Sox. And, you know, Jose Abreu's got the largest monetary contract in White Sox history, which is just short of $70 million. So I think everyone, including myself, said they're going to be active, but will they really go hypothetically? We don't know the numbers. 320, 350, 360 million. Well, you know, we talked to Kenny Williams today, the executive vice president, Rick Hahn, and the GM has talked ad nauseum about this. But Kenny, who did a great job in a seminar today, was talking afterwards. And, you know, we were asking about the light at the end of the tunnel and is this the time to be aggressive? And he said yes. And then some, one of the other reporters said, spending more. And he goes, well, that goes hand in hand. But then he added parenthetically, we were prepared for this. We targeted this offseason. And, yeah, they've had some players who probably didn't develop quite immediately like they thought, a Yohan Moncada. Yeah. They went through injuries with Kopech and Jake Berger and Luis Robert last year. So it was, you know, it, it, it comes and goes, but I think they're in play. I mean, I think from what I've heard, there's so much information out there and you don't know which one is. You know, you not only hear the real information, you hear information from people who like, I have a cousin who knows so-and-so who says that Harper is signing with the Sox. Well, you know, you kind of it's kind of down the line <laughs> a little bit. And knowing Rick Hahn as I do, I don't think Rick's discussing it with the whole organization saying, 
hey, you know, we're close to getting hired, but keep it, keep it on the down low. Right. You know? yeah, I, I that don't think that, that's not how he operates. It's interesting. There was all the talk with Chris Bryant and the Cubs, and hey, these guys are buddies, and, and he Which will is go true. to the Cubs. If he goes to the White Sox, they're buddies, and they're playing in the same city, right. different teams, but that's it's interesting and another way to look at it as I, well. I'll add one thing real quick. Yeah. You know, Hawk Harrelson, everyone kind of yeah. – you loved him, or you, you know, he's a polarizing figure. I think he's a great guy. Gonna be missed retirement. He said two or three times over the last two years that we're about to embark in the golden age of baseball in Chicago. He said the Cubs aren't going anywhere, and he said this Sox team is gonna be good for a long time. So, if one of these, even if one of these guys doesn't come to Chicago, the Sox are getting better, and they're gonna make moves to get themselves better. So this is gonna be an interesting. And they, they don't play each other more than six times a year, but it's gonna be an interesting rivalry. If both teams going well. What would you call it if they made it the second? L-train. Oh, the L train series. It's an L train that goes yeah, between. Yeah. I, I think it's the red line to the blue line or yeah. something. I don't take it very much. I was going to say the second series, second city series, but I like the, the L train. City better. series? Yeah, that's that a lot. Yeah. L train's good, though. Yeah. Maybe it'll happen. We'll see. All right. Well, you keep one kind of, you keep an eye on Harper, right. but there's other things to do. How does Rick Hahn and company, how do they kind of juggle the two things where there's this possibility of us spending this? unfathomable amount of money on one player, but we have these other holes that we can't lose sight of. I asked him during a recent conference call, and he said they're in a position where they can wait if it's a, I don't think he used the word premium talent, I think he said. So I think they're willing to, now, again, if this goes to February, maybe that's different. Right. Excuse me, but I think they're willing to wait out a guy like Harper or Machado, and they've never used any names. Neither one of them has used, not Kenny, not Rick, not anyone else. Organization very understandably tight-lipped on this. But I think that, you know, they're willing to wait out. Now, with that said, they need starting pitching. You know, they have Rodon, Lopez, and Giolito. Giolito struggled last year. Rodon finished kind of poorly. But, you know, you know what talent you have in him. Kopech's hurt. Shields, you know, is now a free agent. And I know they want more bullpen help, too. So I think they're going to keep moving on that. I really do think, though, that you're not going to see incremental additions. I don't think you're going to see, if they don't get Machado, a third baseman added for like one or two years just to fill the gap. I realize the AL Central is not a strong division. Right. Cleveland's making kind of rebuilding on the fly or adding prospects on the fly. So it's there for the take, and even though the Sox lost 100 games last year. But Rick Hahn has been great about this in that even with the weak division, he's not going to say, well, we're going to jump up and try and win this year and then kill the whole plan. He's sticking with the plan, and even the veterans they add are going to be part of that plan moving forward. And we've seen teams with the plan keep the plan and get ahead of schedule. Look at what the Braves and Phillies did well, last I mean, year. They weren't supposed to be there yet. Exactly. They didn't make that big splash, and they the Braves win the division. Sox fans won't want to do this, but can't you point to the Cubs in 15? Yeah, yeah they came a year off ahead. The year uh, 73 and 89, I think, and Ricky's rentry is one year there. And they made the playoffs with a great second half the next year and have gone to four straight playoffs. And three NLCSs and one World Series. But you're right, Philly and Atlanta. The only thing that you worry about is that so many teams are doing this now. There's only one title a year. So, <laughs> I mean, not every rebuild team is going to win one, let alone multiple. So you really got to do this right and make sure you don't deviate because of the fact that, you know, there's not going to be like, it's not the CBA, I don't know if it remembers the kind of association, where you get like points for the quarter or the minor leagues where you get first right, half title first and half. second half title. It's only one championship you can win every year. So you got to be the best of this group, which is so prevalent now. Yeah, the Cubs and then the Astros made it right. look and easy. The Royals yeah, this is nice what you do. Too, you just yeah. build it, you exactly. win it, and then there but, you go. But I mean, you see how hard it is to win more than one. Yeah. I mean, no team has repeated since the Yankees. It was at uh, 98, 99, 2000. Yep. And no National League team has repeated since the Big Red Machine. Yeah, in the so 70s. So that's insane. I mean, yep. you can say all you want about 
multiple titles, but just get one, and that's the jumping point. You go from there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we haven't talked about the young guys too sure. much, so let's talk about the, the ones that are kind of on the way. When you look at 2019, you mentioned starting pitching. Dylan Cease is getting close. So you have Cease, Aloy Jimenez, and then maybe Zach Collins. Seems like the, Is that the next wave of prospects? Right. Cease was the minor league pitcher of the year last year, right. according to MLB Pipeline. I think he's topped out at around 125 innings. But I think, first of all, I think if they sign one of these big guys, things get accelerated a little bit. Yeah. yeah you may see Cease where he was, I think he's probably on the same plan as uh, Ronaldo Lopez and Michael Kopech before him, where you're looking at like, you know, late August Cobb, maybe five major league starts. I think you may see him earlier if he continues to progress like he does. Jimenez is going to be up maybe from the start, if not mid-April. And will be there all year, and they intend that they believe he's going to be a perennial all-star, maybe the next face of the franchise, even if they sign one of the big guys who could be the impact guy. And then Zach Collins, I've talked to a few people who think that his eye and his on-base percentage and his ability to get on, you know, to, to work account may pay may play better in the major league level where you have a more consistent strike zone, or at mm -hmm. least you hope to have a more consistent strike zone than the minors. And right now, the only catcher they have is Wellington Castillo. Now they will add someone. One thing they've been great about is not rushing prospects because there's a need at the major league level. So Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala are in the picture. But I really think they'll add a veteran beforehand. But I think Collins could be a guy who could get up this year too. How much has the Kopech injury affected things? You know, people, talk, people have asked me that in my inbox is about does that set him back? And he's a huge part of this team and a huge part of the future. Great kid, very honest and straightforward kid. I think it affects it because you lose more so – then what it does this year, you lose it a year of development for him that sets him back. And we've seen that happen to prospects before yeah. that doesn't come back. Well, I remember Jared Mitchell, who granted I don't think was the same prospect level. He's an outfielder for the Sox as Kopech. He tore his um, ligament in his ankle during spring training and just never was the same after that. Now, this is an injury that people, a myriad pitches have come back from. I think it affects him in the interim, and I think it makes him want to go out and get more pitching now. But I think as long as he goes through the process and gets back to where he was, they're going to be fine. And it, and it came, if there ever is a right time, it came at a time where they're not totally in that contending window yet, so they're okay with it. Two years ago, Rick Hahn made the big splash here with the trades almost to get. Almost two years, like right? about four, two years and four days. Almost, yeah. yeah. Um, to get all those prospects, and that started kind of the road. Right. Now we're getting to the end of that road, and it's almost time to contend. Exciting times on the south side of Chicago and here in Las Vegas the at the winter is, meetings. There's a light at the end of the tunnel is what Rick said this morning. So <laughs> we'll see if Harper's driving that car that has the, that's showing the light coming through there. All right, that's going to do it for the MLB Extras White Sox podcast. For Scott Merkin, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.